I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. What's up, everybody? You're listening to Resource Real Talk about real estate. This is Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. Excited to be back, folks. Yes. And today we are talking about a really exciting topic. We're talking about ISAs today, Inside Sales Associates. If you're not familiar with ISAs, we're going to be talking about what they do for your team and how they can help accelerate the growth of your business. So yeah, it's. I mean, this is a trend, Gabe, that we're seeing in the real estate industry nationwide. It's kind of sweeping the nation, both inside real estate offices and from third-party service providers. And ultimately, I think uh, what what it does is, is it provides support to the real estate sales practitioner Okay, at something that most of them aren't very good at. Well, there you go. Well, go ahead and explain for some of our listeners that aren't familiar with ISAs, what exactly is an ISA and what does that person do? Well, an inside sales associate is just that. They are inside sales, they're not outside sales. Okay. So in the most for the most part, they follow opportunities created by marketing in the hopes of setting appointments for sales professionals to go show homes, take listings, you know, do consults for representation. That's what an inside sales is. So they're a support role for the agents on your team. They're not necessarily going and showing properties. They're cultivating opportunities for your agents to go and convert. Exactly. So, so a mentor of mine says that marketing's sole responsibility is to create appointments. Okay. Okay. So it's a division of marketing, but it's a, and it is a support role, but it is a sales support role. Right. So, you know, I, we're gonna, we've got an, a very exciting guest today as well, Gabe. So, you know, I don't want to get too deep, too much into the weeds about it because this guest is the preeminent resource on Inside Sales Associates. It's sure. a guy that, whose resume is pretty much unparalleled. Um, you know, he's, he's from the Midwest, so it's not like it, you know, it's, it's some sort of, you know, kind of mind blowing, like coastal region, kind of like higher, higher thought process kind of stuff. Like Doug is just like a grinder from a Midwestern market with lower than, than typical average price points as it compares to nationwide real estate. And, you know, he just cranks out a ton of transactions and big part of the way he does it is with inside sales associates on a large scale too. Cause I mean, like you said, our company is, I, I should go ahead and mention that when I'm not hosting the most cutting edge real estate podcast <laughs> on the market, I actually function as our team's ISA. Absolutely. And, uh, and it's a really exciting opportunity to support our team and help us to grow and, and get in front of more opportunities. So, so the important thing to remember, Gabe, that is, and, and I know you're not going to toot your own horn, right? But an inside sales associate is a support role, but it's a really important. Absolutely. Support role. In no way, shape, or form is this support role 
not as important as the actual. Yeah, we should be clear. An ISA is not like your glorified receptionist at your Absolutely office. This person not. is doing high level. I'm like you said. I'm not going to my own horn, but your ideal ISA is doing high level sales conversion. They have to have skills. They have to be good on the phone, and they have to make people comfortable enough to meet with the agents on your team. It, you know, there's a, there's a high level that's expected from an ISA. A high Absolutely. level of skill. Absolutely. When you think of a real estate professional, you may be thinking of someone outgoing that's a good communicator that might even be a good salesperson, but ultimately. Real estate is not a sales role. They don't sell. Well, it is a sales role, but they don't sell what you think, what you might think. It's more consultative. It's it's consultative in nature. It, they, they assist people. They are a concierge through a process that's very scary sometimes. Yes. Real, real estate salespeople help you avoid mistakes. They help you execute a difficult process. When they when they sell. They sell themselves. That's the only thing a real estate agent ever has to sell is themselves. Is themselves. And what an ISA does is allow there to be a linkage between someone who is unrepresented and desiring of that service and the professional that can then convey their value. The ISA navigates that in between, that difficult time where they're not sure who they want to talk to or if they want to talk to anyone at all. I like hearing it be referred to as a matchmaker. It is a matchmaker. It is exactly what it is. So, um, you know, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and move on to Doug. But before we get there, we want to talk about something really exciting, Gabe. Yeah, we do have exciting news for our listeners that have stayed with us up to this point. This is episode 14. And so we wanted to do something a little bit new for our faithful listeners that have been around for a while. So so what we've done is we've taken some stuff that we use in-house here at JT Pitts and Associates and Remax Premier Properties, something that we have developed to deliver high levels of value to our clients. And we understand that the majority of our listeners, we have some consumers that tune in for cutting edge real estate kind of talk and, you know, kind of raw and unfiltered looks on the real estate industry as it, as it is. However, the majority of our listeners are real estate practitioners themselves. They may be team leaders. They may be, and uh, you know, aspiring team leaders. They may be brokers. They may be individual agents just looking to know about what's next. And, what we understand about those people is that they wear a lot of hats. Okay. Success is not clean. It's messy. So what we'd like to do is we'd like to take something that we've developed that we feel is a value that we use here on our team. And we'd like to share that with you. So uh, we're, we're kicking off with this episode, a six part series where we are going to share our buyer's guide, you know, which is subtitled home buying made simple, Home Buying Made Simple, and it goes through what we view and what we've seen over 2,000 transactions worth of experience are the six integral steps of ushering, being that concierge, if you will, of and ushering a buyer from start to finish. And we're going to share it with you one piece at a time for our loyal subscribers to the podcast here at Resource. Absolutely. So, if you haven't yet and you've just come across this particular podcast, a friend shared it with you, you happen to come across it in the iTunes store or see some of our, you know, shares on social, we'd love for what we'd love for you to do is go to resourcepodcast.net. There is going to be a drop-down box where you can fill out your information that makes you a qualified subscriber to the podcast. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, any of those places where you find your podcast, but you need to go to our website, resourcepodcast.net, and become a qualified subscriber. And 
If you're a qualified subscriber, we're going to deliver via email to you one a week for the next six weeks, our sections of the buyer guide. And we're going to be talking about it more each week as we present our new topics. But this is our thank you to you as a loyal listener. And we want you to check back and check back often because we're not going to stop here. When this six weeks is over, we're going to move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So again, we appreciate your feedback as always, but we we definitely want to know that we're providing you as much value as you are for us as listeners. So uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead to break. And when we get back, we're going to have Doug Edrington with the Edrington team from Chattanooga and Nashville, Tennessee. And I don't think you guys are going to want to miss it. Please stay tuned. And folks, we're back. Uh, thank you again for joining in. I am so happy at this point to introduce our guest today, a gentleman that I've come to know over the past year or so, who is in a somewhat neighboring market to us here in Louisville, Kentucky. I've got Doug Edrington from Chattanooga. Doug is with the Edrington team, top 10 in the country with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. In 2016, they sold 441 homes on track to do about five and a quarter this year, just opened his second office in Nashville from Chattanooga. Doug, thanks for joining us. Hey, Jay and Gabe. I appreciate appreciate you guys having me on board. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. We really appreciate bringing folks like you into the podcast to speak to our listeners. So, Doug, I'm going to get real, real broad right now as we kind of kick this off. You know, Gabe and I talked a little bit before the break, and Ultimately, I know you to be an expert in this arena, and you know this is something that we do here on my team, and and top teams around the country are kind of going to this. So please, please just tell us if you would, in your own words, what exactly is an ISA? Well, well, first off, you're setting the bar the bar high by calling me an expert. I appreciate it, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I'd say that that may be an overstatement. Uh, what is an ISA? That's a great question, and I think it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, I can start by saying what it means for me, and an ISA is an individual who is more of a insurance company for a team leader. Insurance. For those, yeah, like an insurance company. So what I mean by that is, uh, or I've heard a, I've heard another one of our peers refer to it as the like the the uh, loss, what do they call loss it? Prevention. Um, loss prevention. Yeah, yeah loss go. prevention All right. department in a sense, because at the end of the day, as a team leader, it is our goal to leverage as many opportunities as we can. And right. whether it's agents don't follow up or they can't follow up because they're legitimately too busy, which, you know, it's, that's all a debatable topic. Sure. But at the end of the day, it is the, it is my insurance department to make sure that we at least communicate with the opportunities that are put in front of us um, as regularly as possible when in the absence of an agent to help kind of lay it up for the agent to be able to warm that client up or that potential customer up and and just create more numbers, create more appointments, create more opportunity. I uh, I love where I love where this is going because you know I think. As team leaders, brokers, you know, whatever, what what have you, uh, as business professionals, as leaders, you know, 
we deal in opportunity. So that's one thing I tell every member of my team when they join is I promise nothing but opportunity. And so that can be as broad as getting to learn from credible professionals, or it could be a literal like internet lead laid on your desk, call this person. But you know, I think oftentimes people new to the industry or people new to teams in general don't understand the value of that. So loss prevention, um, in essence, you're making an investment there, right? So, so that person is absolutely is the safety net for you to keep that money from going to waste. Absolutely, it's it's really there for the team leader and the team members benefit from it. Because you know, I, I know you guys have a big a big organization, and so do we, and many of others out there do. And we throw a lot of money into creating that opportunity. And what I think that uh, a lot of teams have found over the past what year that it's not just the Zillow game anymore. It's like the Facebook Legion world. It is the sign calls. It is the it is even like keeping in touch with agents past clients. I mean there's there's so much more to it. And when you actually combine a well-trained keyword right there, well-trained ISA and combine that with automated technology to help support the communication with with all of these potential opportunities like that's where success comes into play so again this is i've talked to so many people when they talk about isas and you, you hear words like outbound isa or inbound isa or you find out that an isa is only calling seller opportunities or only talking to buyers like you can dissect it in a lot of different ways. I currently have four ISAs working on our team supporting about 15 sales agents. And we refer to it as our ISA department. For the consumers out there, we refer to it as the as the customer client department because ISA is real estate lingo. So talking to you guys, we all know what we're talking about, but when we talk to our potential sellers and showing that as a value of proposition on how we communicate with with the world, we refer to it as a client care department, breaking that down. Well, I want to go back to something you said just a minute ago, Doug, about how it's important for your ISA to be well-trained. Uh, and Jay and I talked about this a little bit before the break, but uh, the ISA position is not really a one-size-fits-all job, right? So what are you looking for on a potential hire. So talking to someone in our audience is maybe thinking about incorporating an ISA on their team or as, as a support role for their team, what do they need to look for to make sure they're going to get somebody that brings as much value as possible to that position? So before you look at the person, I think you got to look in a mirror and okay. you got to decide, am I capable? If I hire this position, am I capable of properly giving them the tools, the resources, the training, the scripts, the the timing, I mean, am I giving them the right opportunity to succeed? And I think the I think the conversation really goes hand in hand with like like a marketing manager. And not to go down that rabbit hole, but a lot of people say, I need to hire a marketing manager or a marketing director or marketing whatever, that marketing person. The problem is is most real estate agents don't understand marketing and they usually end up stealing their broker's front desk person who just happens to be on Facebook all the time. Yeah. And they think that that's what marketing is. So, and then they learn very quickly 
that that was a bad call to hire <laughs> that person to be responsible for marketing. So the same thing goes for ISAs. If you don't know how to properly train the ISA and you don't have the clearest expectations that you can possibly have, especially when you're starting, you're going you're gonna to have problems. So my, my recommendation to any team leader out there is be the ISA first. Hmm. It may sound like you may be stepping down, but you're really not because when you put yourself in the shoes where you get on the phone and you start calling all the opportunities in your, your database, you start to learn what works and what doesn't work. You have a, you're looking at it from a different perspective. You know, I mean, there's one thing we can all talk to talk if you're a team leader a lot of times, but how do you teach it? So how do you put that in the form of a script? Are you setting expectations with your ISAs to where it's not just grind and go? It's, it's here's the time you call. Here's the time you practice. How are you managing these people? What are their, what are their KPIs? What are their expectations? What are the goals? I mean, it, it, you really got to start by looking in the mirror and figuring out what do I want it to be? A lot of people out there are tending to lean on some of these outsourced companies where it's like your um, like your call center. Yeah. You guys know what I'm familiar with? Absolutely. Yeah. Remote ISA as we talked about a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We get these you get these call centers and the the I think that there's opportunity for those call centers to be really successful if they if they could actually they could be really successful if the salespeople on the team that hired them would just like be trained by them and follow suit. Yeah. Problem is, is the these call centers they can only do so much because either they promise too much or they don't promise enough. They don't have access to a, a, the agent calendars, so it's really not even they're not even able to set up an appointment. Um, you know, there's all those problems that go along with it. With with my eyesight, they have access to every single agent calendar. And they uh, they follow they follow a really interesting uh, they follow a really interesting thought process that we've trained them to follow, and that is ability and availability. I think this is something that's really key when you start talking about ISAs, because if you have a team where you have a team where it's now up to your ISA to decide who gets that appointment. That puts an ISA in a tough position sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you've got to make sure that you also guide your ISA on when they set up an appointment, who does it go to? And if you leave it up to their judgment, they will hate their job because an agent will not be happy with their decision and they won't be happy with the ISA. They won't, it's not you. They'll take it out yeah. on the ISA. You'll lose job satisfaction. It's a pain. So we have a thing called ability and availability. Every single month, based off of closing ratios, we look at who's the best agent on the team, or not who's the best agent, but we rank the agents based on the previous month. A merit-based system, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we just base it. So, we, But we break it up for buyers and sellers because I'm, I'm not a team that has the divide between buyers agents and sellers agents. We believe that they need to work with both. But we do see strengths with sellers and buyers. I mean, the... The agents have their strengths, whether they're better with buyers or they're better with sellers always. So so we have that ranked. So then every time an ISA sets an appointment, they're not calling for one agent. It really comes down to ability and availability. Out of all the agents that are available, who's the best? That kind of ties into our, call it my insurance department, because not only do I just want to get an appointment, 
I want to create an appointment and have the highest odds of closing it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Doug, what stands out to me there, buddy, is that nothing's left to chance. And I think that that comes from the top down. Okay, what you're doing is you're showing them that you're paying attention. Your team members, I mean. Um, You're showing them that it matters who's most able to convert that opportunity. And, And that's not just in your agents. That's in your ISAs. So I know because of conversations we've had offline that you view your ISAs as equal to, if not of greater importance than your agents. Okay. So, well, yeah. And I think that's because, well, you know, give me some feedback on that here in a second, but I think the reason why you go there is because of how much nuance there is, how challenging it is, how, how, how low return lead purchase lead opportunities are like three, four, five, 6% is considered a success, right? So, but we've also, you and I both know people, you included, and, and our team at times and other folks that we, we kind of are in a network with, have seen substantially greater than that conversion opportunity when they kind of crack the code, so to speak. So t- talk to me about the value of an ISA to your team and how you look at that. Well, I think it's how your team was built and put together. We've been using ISAs before the term ISA was out there. Uh, 14 years in the business and getting started. When we first started our team, we started our business based off of for sale by owners. This is pre Zillow. This is like, I think in 2004 is the year Facebook was started to kind of put it into perspective, which makes us young guys start to feel a little older now. (laughs) But, you know, uh, when we started out, we'd sit down, we'd start calling for sale by owners. We recognized very quickly that we caught on to something really good on how to talk to people on the phone. And so we didn't think we needed ISAs. What we thought was we needed agents. It was kind of a backwards mindset. It was like, wow, I can set up more appointments than I can go on. Like physically, I just can't go on as many appointments as the opportunities out there. And especially back in 2004, people weren't calling for sale by owners like they are today. We don't have teams using power dialers with ISA teams, you know, calling. So the opportunity was was greater back then. So we started, when I first started our team, that's what, that's what made me decide to grow the team. I was like, I can set more appointments than I can go on. So I need more agents. Then I started recognizing very quickly, Hey, this is a scalable model. What if I taught somebody else to sit next to me? and start calling, doing the same thing that I'm doing. And so as it applies from a skill set perspective on my team, my ISAs can run circles around most agents, most team leaders. I'd put them up against any ISA in the country as it applies to phone skills and how to get the appointment. And that's because we invest so much time into them. There's training, there's ISA meetings, there's ISA huddles. We have them in an ISA mastermind group with other ISAs across the country, which what we found is that our ISAs are typically training other people out there. But I love it because they always get challenged every phone call. What if somebody says this? How do you handle this situation? Constantly steel sharpening steel. So it's just like it's just like anything. What you focus on is what is going to get better and help you get to that goal faster. So we put a lot of effort into the ISAs. Um, we have an individual who is the is overall of the ISAs. 
And so it's not just me. Uh, I mean, my essays will outsell me on the phone. And I'd like to think that I'm pretty decent after 14 years of, of building this. But it's, 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 it's great when you can teach people to be better than you. So that's, that's pretty cool. So the value is, in my opinion, for my team, it's the most valuable position. On the flip side, it also can be the most dangerous position because then it becomes a crutch sometimes. It becomes a stimulant for your agents. I heard something really interesting recently at an event that a lot of us went to, and and it was a speaker on stage, and he said this is really good. People will leave you for the reasons you hired them. Hmm. So what do you mean People by that? People will leave you for the reasons you hired them. What I mean by that is, is have you anytime I mean, every team leader has lost a team member, and sure. if you haven't. You need to go ahead and pick two or three and get rid of them because you're not making good decisions. <laughs> I, I've lost we a all bunch. Know that I've family, lost right? a bunch. You don't have to worry about that here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so if you think about the reasons that the agents have left you, 99% of the time, they left you for the same reason that you hired them. If you promised them leads, they said they weren't getting enough leads when they left. Mm-hmm. If you promised them the ISA schedule your appointments, they left because you asked them to do some prospecting. They yep. didn't think they'd had to prospect because that's what the ISAs were for. You know, um, they never leave over money. They never leave over money. No, no, absolutely so, not. Absolutely not. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think it's it's really important to to use in recruiting to use the ISAs as we have a support staff that supports the team and supports your efforts. And we leverage our ISAs to reward the people that go above and beyond and and become the icing on the cake. Context and perspective yeah. is what it is. You, you setting the context and the perspective. You don't hire people so that you can feed them. You hire people that know how to hunt for themselves and you reward them with with an easy kill. Right, like qualified opportunities. You yeah, yeah. I mean, there you go. Okay, so sorry about an that. easy kill. Come an on easy now. kill. Well, I went, I went into, I went into my hunting mindset. That's funny. I, I wish you guys told me that years ago because I learned this from experience. Sure. I used to hire people and say we have multiple ISAs. They set up your appointments. All you have to do is go on them, put ink oh. on paper, and enjoy life. I did it. And well, think think about that for a second. What you just said. Think about what you just said. Please come work for me so that I can so that I can feed you. Like these aren't your mm-hmm. children, right? They're, they're they work for you. Like if you're a team leader, they they hope to get something from you. But if you make it too easy, okay, they don't get any value. You're right. They leave for the same reason you hired them. I've never heard it put so simply, Doug. But that's pretty special what you just said. I want to know. We're gonna have to talk offline. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to tell me who said this. <laughs> you have to tell me. No, okay. I'll, so, I'll do that for you. <laughs> okay. So what I love hearing is this notion that we're flipping on its head. So as team leaders, I'm sure you've been party to the conversation that you, you need leads based on the number of agents you have. I think that's completely and utterly false. I think you need leads commensurate with the appointments they create and the appointments and lead opportunities are based on the number of ISAs and their quality that you have. So 
How good is your one ISA? If they're really good, give them more leads. When they max out, hire another ISA and coach them up till they're really good and give them more leads. Don't hire more agents. You hire based on the effectiveness of your ISAs. Would you agree with that? Well, I think it's a combination. Uh, I I can see a lot of truth in my opinion, what you're saying, but it's always a balancing act. I've had people call me before and they say, hey, when you hire a new agent, let's say you had nine agents and then you hired a 10th, do you increase your lead spend, uh, your lead generation budget 10% because you hired another agent? Not necessarily. And yeah, the answer is typically not. The answer is typically no. Because you wouldn't hire an agent unless you knew you could help with the opportunities. Okay. So, it, and, and it's always a bouncing act. It's, it's, do you need more agents or do you need more leads? Over time, when you start to grow, it's never you need more leads. Now, I can look back at a time in my career where, where forget the word leads, opportunities, because th- there's open houses, there's door knocking, there's, there's um, mailers, there's farming there's there's all different ways other than online leads and i think that i think that the new word lead really is a dumbed down version of online leads that's what people mean most of the time facebook realtor zillow you know all those types of things so i think um i think the problem really comes down to is are you operating at the proper balance or are you too heavy one way or the other Someone once told me a really good example of this, and they said, a lot of people think it has to be a perfect balance and everything just looks amazing. But if you've ever looked at, if you've ever watched, uh, and, and I can't say that I really ever have, but the, the the metaphor made so much sense, a ballerina, kind of crazy coming from here, but a ballerina <laughs> on stage, I know, crazy, right? Yeah, ballerina I'm, I'm on following. Stage, completely balanced on one toe or all the toes, but the tip of the toe, the very point. And she looks like she is on glass, not moving at all. But if we could all zoom in on her foot, you would see it just shivering back and forth so fast because it's constantly counterbalancing. Yeah. It's not balance, but the counterbalance that you constantly have to deal with. So if you think about that, like in our real estate business, I know I told you that was a weird analogy, but if you think about that in our, in our real estate business, it's the same thing. If we ignore the balance that we need between Legion, ISAs, and agents, then you're going to fall over. Yeah. You constantly have to keep your eye on it. You got to constantly be counterbalancing back and forth, always keeping your eye on measurement, performance, people. Time in, time. I mean, you got you just got to keep your eye on it, dude. I didn't know you were that deep. <laughs> you got you got heavy on me, and I love it. Like I'm deep. I, G- Gabe laughs at me all the time because I say stuff like 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 exactly what you <laughs> every just now said. and then something weird comes out of me every now and then. Everybody be like, "Where did you Where did you get that?" Okay. Yeah, I stole it from somebody. So you you remind me of one of my favorite quotes, and it's very simply that success in anything, you know, with ISAs, agents, balance, teamwork, building, et cetera. Success is like fashion. It's never finished. So you're never done tweaking your ISA, the balance between your ISAs and your agents, your system. You're never done. Like it's always shivering back and forth, balancing and counterbalancing. Is that, is that kind of where you're going? hundred percent. I mean, 
what teen can 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 stand in front of a group of people and say my team's perfect? There is, or my department's perfect. I mean, it's just there's no such thing. And and I'm a firm believer in thinking that I don't think that the ISA model is is perfect across the country. I don't I don't think I don't think I have it perfectly figured out. I mean, I've got four ISAs. That's what we that's what we maintain right now. I'm sure very soon in the near future we're going to be hiring a fifth and a sixth because it's it's that valuable to us. But at the same time. Earlier this year, I was within inches of my entire ISA team falling apart. And because life happens, sickness, illness, um, low performance, uh, shooting for the stars uh, uh, financially, which we can all see the hard part about why is an ISA making a lower number than the agents? because they're the high, they have the higher skill and they're helping these other agents make six figure incomes while they're not like all of these things come into place. And I was at a, I was at a point, gosh, I don't, I don't, I can't even say once, like a couple times this year where it just, you know, it was the perfect storm. Just all of these things happened. And I was sitting there scratching my head saying, what do I do if I lose all of my ISAs this month? <laughs> Our ISAs have called year to date. Uh, sneaking up on 60,000 dials and wow. they have set over 1,500 appointments and their goal is by the end of the year is 2,000. That's their goal that they set. Imagine just all that disappearing just overnight and and that can happen. That can happen to our teams. So yeah. I think when you decide to build out your ISA model, you have to go ahead and think about what are the things that could happen and if you become so reliant on those ISAs, what happens to your team? Because if your entire value proposition to your agents is we have ISAs that set up appointments for you, and then one day you don't, do your ISA, do your agents, do your agents, are they are they close enough to you, loyal enough to you, or understand or have the right expectations on what's supposed to happen if that were to happen? And again, it's all about how you hire them. So. If you hire, if you hire based on your ISA team, you're you're putting yourself in a big risk. You got it's got to be more. It's got to be deeper. It's got to be based on like a bigger picture of value, not just a position. Dude, that's awesome. That's heavy, and I love it. Um, I know, I know, because you know we we found out that our listeners are a lot of team team leaders. You know, that's what this this kind of thing appeals to, or it's it's ambitious ambitious folks that, that intend to be team leaders that intend to be leaders within the real estate space. And I, I think that something that, you know, all of what you brought to us today, man, is, is next level kind of stuff. You know, we've talked with some really, really dynamic people within our space since we started the podcast and we're, you know, roughly what, 14 episodes in. Yep. And I think, I think you touched on something today that's as practical in its application as any of the things we've discussed thus far. One last question for you though, Doug, before you, bef- before we let you go, man, and we don't want to keep you too long. We know you're a busy man. You got 500 deals to close. Um, so as far as ISAs go, um, and, and yeah, like you said, you've been doing it since before the term even existed. And I, you know, I've, I've got some similar experience with that myself. What's next? What do you see as being the next iteration of how we convert opportunities in the real estate space? Or do you see it being different or is the, is the phone conversation going to remain 
the best way to engage potential buyers and sellers of real estate? Well, it's obvious that it's technology based to me at least. And, and when I say technology based our my, uh, the general manager on our team, uh, drew that, you know, real well, Jay. Yeah. Uh, and, and I were sitting down talking the other day and we both had these ideas and it, it kind of materialized in, in Drew's head the other day. And, and he said, picture a world where an internet lead comes to you and you use a software, which there's multiple ones of them out there. I don't know if you want to plug people, but Jay, you know who I'm talking about. Do so you speak of if you want to? Sure, sure. And, and you and you use you use an opportunity where a voicemail gets dropped on them within seconds, a text message goes out, and an email goes out. And then if they respond, then it goes to a different technology company. I have to throw the name out because I don't know how to explain it because the most of the world knows it is Riley, where where Riley does the responding for you to warm up the appointment, and it's followed by Calendly, where the consumer sets the appointment up on their own, and then you use Zapier to zap it to your calendar and shoot a Slack message over to the agent so they know what's going on. Yeah, that sounds familiar to us. We do a lot of that too. So. <laughs> so, so what you basically just explained is the cobbling together of about five different pieces of software that we currently use. Some of the ones you named we use. Yeah, and here's the funny thing. There's a lot of, the, as soon as we said this, as you know, some of these companies have already like stepped up to the plate and they're already testing, like doing everything I just said where we don't have to put five companies together. Under one roof, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then there's the whole conversation of AI. And yes. that's above all of our heads right now to some extent, but we all know it's around the corner. Mm-hmm. So, but at the end of the day, it doesn't replace the human touch though. No, because and that, that's exactly what that's going to capture. Say. Yeah. It's going to capture a percentage, which is going to scale our businesses faster and stronger, but then the human touch still has to be there as well. So it's, it's just it's it's basically use the technology to grab the really easy ones and use the human touch to nurture people. Dude, That's where I think that we're going. Yeah, I mean exactly. And I was just going to say that, man. It sounds to me like what you're saying is that we the use of technology, specifically automation and potentially of you know AI, to create opportunities for phone conversations and face to face meetings. Okay, so. You know, Gabe function as, functions as an inside sales associate or, or uh, you know, customer support specialist here on our team, our sales support specialist, I should say. And basically his job is to play matchmaker between the, the opportunities we create through marketing and our sales and our salespeople. Okay, and we we use technology to amplify Gabe's ability to do that. Yeah, I couldn't do it all without some of the automation that we have in place. Some of the automation. So, so if we can effectively use technology to tee up interactions that lead to face-to-face meetings and phone conversations, then we're going to be more likely to make your, your loss prevention department is going to be more effective. So it sounds like we're, we're already there. Um, and it's just probably going to be amplified more than we can probably even imagine is probably the next step. The work is never finished. Yeah. It's it's fashion, man. It's never finished. (laughs) It's always, it's always the case. And, And then, and then, I think the last piece of all this too that's really important 
is, again, who's going to manage it? Because you ha- you're talking about two different things. I mean, we're now talking about two different things. And one is, is who is the sales? It's almost like you have to have a sales manager for the ISAs to focus on skill. And you need an operations manager to focus on how to put the whole puzzle together, including the technology and everything, just alone in the ISA department. Yeah. So that's kind of the wild part about it. You know, or or you have a marketing creative and a marketing execution, right? That marketing execution is is the person that puts the systems between the people and the marketing itself. You know, and that's that's kind of and I think we're saying the same thing, just using different words, right? Probably uh, because because our marketing and Gabe, our marketing person and Gabe. I call them the marketing brain trust because ultimately, <laughs> and we have a Slack channel titled that, like whenever I want to mar- send them a note on something I want to try, it goes to the marketing brain trust channel on Slack. But literally it's because these two people understand so intricately how the systems communicate with one another and they know how nuanced and appreciate how nuanced it is and how one slight change can raise your conversion multiple percentage points. Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, Doug, dude, this has been fantastic. I really, really appreciate your time. Um, folks, if you want to check out Doug, if you're an agent listening to this, and I mean, honestly, if you just post anywhere online who to talk to in Chattanooga, you're going to hear Doug's name. But if you specifically want to find Doug online, you can go to his website at theedringtonteam.com, theedringtonteam.com. I'm pretty sure you can figure out how to spell that. Or you can find them on Facebook. Their Facebook page uh, has tons of followers, tons of reviews. You can find him on Zillow as probably, correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, the most reviewed agent in Chattanooga. Uh, we have, we, I, we're probably within a week of hitting 600. We're in the top 10 in the entire country. So we got the state right now. Yeah. yeah. So almost 600 five-star, well, average five, average of five-star reviews on Zillow. Also moved into the Nashville market, got some great agents there serving the greater Nashville area. If you, uh, know anybody, if you have clients looking to relocate to those areas, check out Doug. He can definitely help you out. His main man, Drew Carey, I've got to give a shout out to because Drew is just an awesome guy. The Drew Carey or the different Drew Carey. Okay. Just, not just the, checking. Not the, no, it, is, it is the Drew Carey. Oh, it's the <laughs> Drew Carey. It's just not the guy with the ironic glasses. Okay. So anyway, Doug, thanks for your time today, man. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, as always, like when folks of your caliber make the time to sit down and talk with us, we, we, we greatly appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me, guys. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, make sure you pat yourselves on the back every now and then, too, because it's, uh, what you guys are putting together is just a whole other amazing network of people, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, definitely, any of your listeners out there, um, that are thinking about this whole ISA model, feel free to hit me up on Facebook, shoot me a private message. I'd be glad to chat with you um, on a on another level too. As we all know, we're always trying to improve each other. So anybody that's doing it really well, let's let's mastermind together. I think that would be great to bring it to another level. Maybe 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 Jay and Gabe will let us all back on together a year from now or so and talk about the next level. There you no, go. No, that's amazing. And I will second that. Um, I know from personal experience, Doug is an open book. And if you're looking to build a business in ISA or team systems or lead gen conversion, any of that, Doug is a great resource. Feel free to reach out to him through any of his channels. All right, everybody. Well, that's all the time we've got for today. Big thank you again to Doug Edrington for joining us on this important discussion about ISAs and how you can incorporate them in your business. 
If you're curious, like Doug said, you can get in touch with him on Facebook Messenger. He's more than happy to answer your questions. But feel free to reach out to us, too. Jay and I are more than willing to talk about our experiences, my experience as an ISA, and Jay's experience as a team leader incorporating ISAs into his business. You can reach both of us on our website at www.resourcepodcast.net. And don't forget... If you go ahead and subscribe now and visit our website and become a qualified subscriber, you have the opportunity over the next six weeks to get the sections of our buyer guide that we give to all of our first-time buyers. It's called Home Buying Made Simple, and I cannot overstate how impressive this is to the buyers that we meet with. It's a great way to immediately set yourself apart from the rest of your competition. So make sure you're subscribing so you're getting all of that content. It's delivered to you weekly right in your email inbox. Absolutely, and, and like Gabe said, you know, we, we like to bring you cutting edge guests, people that are doing big things in the world of real estate regionally and nationally, not just local here in Louisville, Kentucky. But it shouldn't go unsaid that Gabe Pruitt, with his three years of real estate experience, right? It's not 20, but it's three years and it's a great three years to be in the business, has served as in the function of an inside sales associate. And if you have questions, he could be as good a resource for you as any. You know, again, big thanks to Doug. Thank you for joining in and check us out on the website, resourcepodcast.net. All right, we'll be back, folks. Join us next time. Resource Real Talk About Real Estate. Thanks.